0: Mastermind.fm is proudly sponsored by LiquidWeb. While LiquidWeb has been best known as a managed hosting company with tons of options, it's also designed a managed WordPress offering that is perfect for mission-critical sites. If you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptime, and incredible support, LiquidWeb is the partner you've been waiting for. Now with Visual Compare, at first in the managed WordPress space, automatically updates your plugins. Each night, we take a snapshot and visually compare the difference between each plugin. If there's no visual difference, we update the plugin for you. If there is a visual difference, we hold off updating that plugin and wait for your direction. Every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer also has iTheme Sync integrated into their management portal, allowing them to update several sites with a single touch. And if you sign up today using the discount code MASTERMIND, Nine you'll get 33% off for the next six months visit liquidweb.com forward slash manage WordPress to get started
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mastermind.fm. I am excited to have with me today Rich Tabor. If you don't know who he is, he has uh, his own business, uh, Theme Beans, that you may be familiar with. He has some gorgeous themes on there. Definitely has a style of design that I really appreciate. It's very minimalism, but modern. It's very well, you know, a lot of times we get crazy with themes, with all kinds of features and all kinds of functionality, and it just gets bogged down and you lose the elegance of just a nice, good design. His themes definitely have that, so I'm excited to have him. He also works part-time, which is maybe also helps give him a little bit of an edge of what people might be looking for. He is also a part-time theme reviewer for Envato, so he sees a lot of themes come through, and I'm sure he's probably watching some of those as they go through to see how well they're doing, so it'll be interesting to hear some of that conversation. So, Rich, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me, Dave.
1: It's really excited to have you. Uh, for those of people who may not know you, go ahead and give us a little bit of your background, like how you got into WordPress and how you got to the place where you are now as the you know kind of a single owner of a theme shop agency, Theme Beans, and as well as doing your uh, review with Envato
2: sure so it's been 6 years now since uh, i've gotten into the uh, wordpress space before theme beans and before anything really i was uh, studying marketing and leadership at school just learning the ins and outs of photoshop in the back of the classroom which was great because uh, it set me up you know in the future to uh, join a web design agency right after i graduated But I didn't know anything about web design in particular. I knew how to use Photoshop and make things look nice. And the developers would come back with me and say, uh, you know, like, hey, man, like, you can't really do this. You know, (laughs) so I started learning, you know, basic front-end design from that point. I I wanted to be a better web designer, particularly for that job. And that agency used WordPress. uh, So naturally, I uh, leaned into that a little bit. Started learning the ins and outs of development, uh, pulling apart, you know, old themes and underscores and just looking and seeing like how things are done and how they're done right. And then just kind of evolving from there to uploading my own themes on ThemeForce. At that point, I quit my current job and started working full time for myself. And uh, it's been a wild ride, but it's been great. <laughs> for reviewing last year, um, I got contacted about an opportunity to review themes and, you know, kind of set the standards uh with theme forest and envato and it, it's been a really great experience i've probably looked at thousands and thousands of themes over the last what eight or nine months that i've been there and uh, there's been some really cool improvement and movement on the requirement side of things and just kind of setting the stage for some really good stuff to come out in the future on their end. it's been wild it's been fun and uh, i'm having a good time doing it <laughs>
1: That's really awesome. I wonder, you know, doing theme review and having a theme shop of your own and selling your own themes Mm -hmm. as well. So, right. So these people who are submitting themes, these are for lack of a better term, competitors who are Mm -hmm. also selling themes. Although themes is one of these spaces where you might buy from several different shops Mm -hmm. depending on what you're doing. But as you're seeing these themes, do you find yourself looking at that and saying, like, as a new theme comes in, predicting how you think they're going to do or how well they're gonna pull off in the end, like looking at them going, yeah, this one is gonna kill it, and this one Ooh. probably not so much. Well-developed, not necessarily a bad design, but it's just probably not going to do well. Do you find yourself making that evaluation? And and I would wonder how well do you think you do on that?
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, like <laughs> after looking at so many themes and, you know, seeing the market and being a part of the market on the other end, you do know the trends. You do know like, hey, this is going to look great. This is going to be great. Um, yeah. You know, there is a, a variable in there of um, timing. You know, like if you, you know, if two authors release a similar theme right next to each other, that's going to hurt in the long run. Oh. But I think... Pretty much, you know, you can you can pinpoint the ones that are going to do pretty good. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Very, very cool. You know, you said something about before you got into the WordPress space, you were at school and you're studying marketing. And, And this is one you don't hear a lot of people mention when they talk about what they were studying in school. And that's leadership. Mm-hmm. Now, I like to consider myself a, a, a student of leadership giants that have gone before, have gone before me, and I, I love the topic of leadership, but I am a student after the fact. Tell me a, a little bit about what your drive was for studying marketing and leadership specifically. Like, what was driving passion to kind of get into that as a kind of a, a major study?
2: Uh, well, um, you know, leadership's kind of been inbred in me from a very young age uh I'm a, the oldest child, and we just kind of evolved into that. And I, I if you, you probably don't know, but I was in the National Guard for a couple of years and was a lieutenant on that end. And um, I think, it, you know, leadership is, you know, not necessarily how to lead people, I think. It's more of how to present yourself and, and in our instance, our businesses and our companies, like how to really to be a leader in a space is, in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like part of leadership is growing and developing yourself and challenging yourself to be a better you, to be a better business, to really, you know, evolve and to constantly level up. And that's the part of leadership that I think is is imperative to understand. Because, you know, I'm one man band over here. Mm -hmm. It's just me. I have a few contractors that I work with on occasion, but, um, you know, I'm just doing my own thing, but I still think leadership applies in that sense on my end. But, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And and I think that is is something that's missed. You know, we talk about especially as entrepreneurs, we also talk about things like personal brand and things like that. Leadership is a key point of that, not just leadership, like you said, of leading people, Mm -hmm. but being strong enough in your position and strong enough and a part of leadership, humble enough Mm -hmm. uh, to learn from others through that process is an important skill. I just found that it was an interesting, uh, and actually I think probably goes really well together, which is marketing and leadership Mm -hmm. is a really nice, uh, fluid idea of things to study together. So, I thought that was a kind of interesting. <laughs> so you're in this theme space and there's been a lot of talk about the theme space. And I get people who ask me this question a lot too, how lucrative, how uh, accessible is the theme space with so many players? It's such a saturated space more so, I mean, plugins are becoming a saturated space mm-hmm. very much so, but there are still a lot of spaces within plugins that are still underutilized and can be developed on. There aren't market leaders in certain spaces within the plugin space. Uh, where in the theme space, there are a lot of talented theme companies, mm-hmm. you know, yours being one of them, but there are just so many of these theme spaces. How do you see the market evolving for those? If somebody's sitting there saying, "You know, I'm thinking about doing themes, I'm a designer or whatever the case may be, and I want to Try my hand at building a business that can support, at the very least, me and my family. How do you see this, the theme space, specifically in WordPress, evolving over the next few years? Because it does feel like it's definitely a harder space. How mm-hmm. do you? What would you? What would your advice be to somebody who's kind of working through that process?
2: Yeah, you're totally right. It's um, much more difficult these days. Whereas, you know, four or five years ago, someone can come in. You might not even have a website or social profiles. Put a theme on theme fours. You know, bring in a thousand easy a month or something. You know, but now it's it's where you're really doubling down on marketing. You're really pursuing different uh, avenues to sell your products. You're building a brand right now. And um, my biggest advice for newcomers would be to you know to focus on you. What do you want to do? What type of customers do you want to serve? Because right now there's the big multi-purpose market, and which is you know saturated beyond means. There's the uh, themes that work with external builders like Beaver Builder. And then then there's the single purpose themes, you know, things that are single purpose, one purpose, and that are focused on the newcomers, the people who just want to set up a website and be done with it, maybe customize a few colors. And my strategy was to go towards that single purpose. You know, being a one-man band, it's uh, hard to attack these multi-purpose markets where, you know, there's teams or whole companies on one product. So that's not something I want to play. And then at the same time, when you're picking your market to attack, you have to also consider what type of support are you able to provide to your customers. And, you know, if you're going the multipurpose route, you're going to have a lot more support. It's just part of it. The nature of the beast is part of the game. So really it's about, you know, identifying what you want to do and attacking it and making sure you have the resources to do that.
1: I think that's super wise counsel too. The idea of you have to think about what you want to be you know, one year, two year, three years down the road. And if you're wanting to be a one person shop, if you're not looking to build a really large empire business or a multifaceted team, uh, that does kind of change the types of themes and what you go for. And, and that's where going after a niche market actually makes really, really good sense, right? Because... Mm-hmm. It's easy to kind of narrow focus, still make a decent living and just be an expert in an area Mm -hmm. and own that space. And people have done it in the past with restaurants Mm -hmm. and just all it is is restaurant themes. And and now there's just more and more spaces becoming available whether it be real estate sites or e-commerce is obviously Mm a huge market. But I mean, e-commerce is too broad at this point Mm -hmm. to just say, oh, I'm an e-commerce website. Well, okay, but you probably could narrow that even more and do better. So I think that's a good advice to say, you know, what do you want to be from now? Because the direction you go, and the decisions that you make could alter that dramatically (laughs) if you're not careful. Right. Yeah. And I appreciate the single purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I appreciate the single purpose things. I'll say this from a plugin development side. So we support a plugin. And when we deal with themes, our biggest headache from all plugins that, that we talk to and, and peers that we talk to in the space are those multi-purpose mm. themes. Almost every time they become the bane of our existence, trying to be compatible with all of the different things they've decided to do because they're multi-purpose. And so this idea of being single purpose and saying, allow plugins to extend. Then mm-hmm. that if you need that thing, there are plugins that do that, and the theme doesn't have to be that because of these multi-purpose themes have become. They're just really large plugins that have a skin theme layer on top of it. They really are just plugins right. at this point. Yeah. And a lot of these multi-purpose, I think, I don't know. What do you think about this idea of? You mentioned in our pre-show notes, you mentioned an article from Freemius, and we will link it in the show notes. And it's talking about the theme space, and it specifically was talking about what is better, right? Is it Mm -hmm. premium theme marketplace, or is it the premium plugin marketplace? And that's a debate that goes on and on and on. And he makes the point that from a lifetime value perspective premium plugins tend to win. He actually even mentions our plugin as an example mm-hmm. that on the upside, you can charge up to $500 a year through a, to a customer, whereas a theme you're looking at capping it maybe 100 mm-hmm. Do you think there's a space in themes, even single-purpose themes, to then also create and upsell through utility plugins the things that they need everybody needs, right? So you have a single theme that's single purpose, really elegant design, really nice. And I guess this would be specific for your niche, right? Mm -hmm. That add on as they need those features grow. Do you think that a movement that needs to take place in the theme space? Because he does kind of add it. I really think the market is both do themes Mm -hmm. and plugins. That sounds hellacious to me, (laughs) but, (laughs) but I understand the sentiment.
2: Yeah, I think in certain niches, it makes sense, you know, like theme of the crop, like what they're doing. They're playing the themes and the plugins market and they're doing it well. You know, he's attacking, you know, getting a great, awesome theme up there. And you're like, yes, I want uh, RSVPs or I want reservations. I want a menu. And, you know, and he has an easy access way to do that. And I think in that niche in particular, it's really great. When you start getting outside of that, it gets a little bit convoluted. You know, with contact forms, for example. I mean, me building a theme, I would never want to hard code contact forms in there. It just doesn't even, you know, it doesn't make sense to me at all. But I could, you know, recommend through TGM, you know, the plugin activation class to install Ninja Forms or, you know, elsewhere. And and there is movement on that side of things to kind of automate, you know, like the onboarding of when you turn on a theme. Like, you know, like I've seen it where, um, you know, WooCommerce, that's up your shop with that the setup wizard in the very beginning. It's like people trying to use that type of onboarding with a theme. Like, do you want contact forms? Check this box. And then, you know, it gives you an option maybe of contact form seven or ninja forms, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of mentality is a way to go. But I think it's hard for a theme developer's perspective to capitalize on that aspect. Besides the fact that their customers are now using the easier product and they might come back.
1: Right. I would generally, when I think about these kind of service, cause the contact form sure is, is a kind of a general idea of something that might be needed. But I kind of think of these, like if you were a, uh, we'll use the restaurant, space, as an example, if you create restaurant themes, it makes sense for you to create also a very full-featured menu plugin. Mm-hmm. It's not a part of the theme. It can go with any of your themes, mm-hmm. um, but it is very isolated, and that may be an add-on. It may be something that's extra, so it's a it's a way to increase the value of your customer. And I'm really just thinking about this from the business perspective, because a lot of times we think about a space, especially with themes, I think a lot of people give up on themes in the sense because they think it is. And a, you know, $30 to $100 sale and I'm done. Um, and, and I've had conversations with Vova, who, you know, runs the Freemius uh, site and service, and he actually made a statement in one of uh, the Facebook groups that we're in. He made the statement that he thinks themes some days will actually move to a monthly subscription. I think that sounds ludicrous. Like, that sounds like I would never pay monthly for a theme because in my mind, once I've bought the theme... It's done. Like there's mm-hmm. very little updates that should be happening on that theme. And if there are a lot of updates happening, I'm a little nervous <laughs> about, make, about taking those updates because themes are things you tend to modify. Now, sure, in the WordPress space, we recommend you modify through child themes and blah, 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 blah. But I don't necessarily see themes becoming a monthly subscription. So the question does at some point become... I don't want to just send sell more themes to the same customers, but can I add other value through other things? In this case, can I create plugins that just are unrivaled in my space that work seamlessly with mine and then eventually maybe other themes who try to get in that space will in fact push people towards my own plugins <laughs> and I increase value and even customer base. So now all of a sudden I have more input into my market, not just people looking for themes, but people who are looking for the plugin and then find my themes. Right. So from a business perspective, it seems like there's a lot of things, it's a lot of areas to work out. I think Genesis has been trying to figure that out too, with mm-hmm. Rainmaker and Studio Press sites and uh, mm-hmm. hosting, like they're trying to figure out how do we take this further? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Do you see uh, the future space of themes evolving? What are your thoughts on your direction on that?
2: Yeah. It's, you know, it's at a point where it needs to evolve. You know, I, admitted, I you know, in one of your previous episodes, you talk about um, automated renewals. And yep. I think we did it at the same time last year in April. So this year in April, I started seeing those come in and, and that's all good. But, you know, on a themed perspective, when you're selling it for, you know, ah, 59, that's pretty high nowadays. But yeah. if you're selling it for $59 and then the renewal is like for 40, you know, 43 or $44, that's not a high recurring rate right there. So I think, you know, so what I did to kind of, you know, almost to try to double up my annual return on per customer is, you know, to do the club thing, which is pretty much standard for people outside of thing force. And that way, you know, it's $99 a year, which is still, it's pretty, that's cheap. That's lower than I would have liked to have gone, but then there's no, no renewal discount, just 99 a year from that point on. So that's just one way if you are outside of a marketplace where you're exclusive and where you have that opportunity and you have different themes to do that. And it also helps, you know, in a sense to be niched down. So that way you can, you know, capitalize on the fact that like, yes, this guy makes the best e-commerce themes. Like he has all these options that all work together. I can switch Mm -hmm. themes. Everything's perfect. And then now he has a club where I can get, you know, 10 for a hundred dollars. Sweet. You know, and then I think on top of that licensing, like, you know, active licenses themes you know if you buy a theme you get you know three sites or one site even yeah um you know and then having like upgrades i don't know i haven't toyed around with it too much um you know i have a limit but it's not much of a limit now <laughs> <don't, I>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah yeah monetizing support but um it's really you can't you know for my themes if, if your license expires so does your support um that's one way to try to to keep it up but a lot of people might have you know two or three questions when they first install their theme, and then they don't have any more.
1: You hope, uh, you know,
2: and that's that's good, right? Right, <laughs> that's what you kind of uh. want, yeah. Um, so then they might not worry about the support. So then you you might go into charging for updates. Then, like you know, after a year, you don't get any more updates, which is you know that's a big thing in the plugin mm-hmm. space. That's yep. normal, pretty much. Uh, I know themeforce doesn't do that. They only charge for the support. You get access to yeah. your updates. Um, but on my side, I've, for the last year and a half, I've been doing you know, charging for support and updates. And what you said about like themes not needing too many updates—that's that's true. Um, I think in a sense. But these days, you know, there's WordPress is moving fast. Like, and if you're committed to your customers and to your themes and products, you're going to push things. You know, to be up to speed with what's coming out. And that's you know, and I like doing that. I like. You know, putting like, you know, the things that Core is adding in and then just I'm ripping out my old stuff and letting that stuff take over. And it's great. Everything is beautiful. Like, that's how I want things to work. I want it to work work great and work exactly like a WordPress user thinks it should work. Yeah. And with old themes that can get convoluted with with new stuff replacing old stuff and all that mess.
1: (laughs) I wonder, what do you think about the idea of, you know, in normal software, we have no problem with this idea of sunsetting and releasing new versions or it's not necessarily easy i don't know the best way to put this but this idea of you know this version is not going to just easily necessarily upgrade we're going to leave it alone it's not going to get updates and it works up to the version of wordpress as of this date and then we're going to release a new version of the same theme But if you want that theme, unless you're in a club, right, you're just going to have to repurchase it Mm -hmm. because it's a rewrite Mm -hmm. with new technologies and the software has changed. Like the world has changed. And so you can't just Mm -hmm. upgrade this and think it's necessarily going to be a fluid process through. Or it can upgrade, but you're going to have to repay for it because it's a new version. I mean, we see this in software like MAMP and Sublime and their code editors, right? When they go to two to three, they don't just Mm -hmm. say, you get three, you have to buy it. Like you have to pay a fee to get to that. Now it's technically the same software, but Mm -hmm. that's, I wonder if that becomes an avenue for themes that says, this is a difference, like we're transitioning, that one is sunset, it will still work and will continue to work for that version of WordPress and below. But if you wanna work on modern WordPress, then obviously these things have changed. So I, I wonder if that might be an avenue, I don't know.
2: Mm-hmm. One of the complications, you know, from you know developers' standpoint is then you're maintaining two projects that you know are probably different. But I would say if you're doing such a big update like that, it would be it'd have to be very you know aesthetically different too. Because things, you know, there's only so much in the back end you can really <laughs> right. change if it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Besides options and features, what I'm a big fan of though is, is relaunching, but in a sense of you know a 2.0 maybe release. But there's no breaking changes. But then there's also You know, you take a three year old theme, you relaunch it to today's modern design style, you know, because three years in the web design space is huge in design, like really big. (laughs) So um, I'm a fan of doing that. And then what I'm doing by relaunching these themes is essentially, you know, I set up marketing campaigns uh, for all the people who've purchased it, that I have records for through my site. And I, you know, I say like, hey, here's uh, version 2.0. And by the way, your license expired a year ago. If you want version 2.0, you can upgrade for, you know, X dollars. And it's works flawlessly with your new website or with your old website. And then now you have a brand new website. that looks great. So then, you know, by constantly refreshing and updating these things, like even visually, but not big enough to where you would, you know, conflict with someone else's design style, like why they bought that theme. Like you don't want to change the, the framework of the why, but just, you know, just little touches. And I find that to be pretty successful, um, those campaigns.
1: Very cool. I love that idea. And you have to freshen this stuff up, right? Like you said, three years yeah. is ages in design. I know, you know, when we launch a website, it takes us two years just to get to the place where we're comfortable with what we've got going on, but then we know it's dated and we have to start thinking about the next version. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, you're, you're perpetually updating everything because it's going out mm-hmm. of, it's decaying the minute you put it on your site, like the design and everything about it. So it's a, it's a rough process. And I love the idea of the theme club, and that's certainly a great revenue model for themes in the sense that if you're a agency or a freelancer who's taking on clients regularly, it's nice to have this pool of themes to start from for whatever your designs are going to be and say, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's, I think, why Genesis has so many people who just bought, like, the membership to Studio Press, just because they don't have to mm-hmm. think about it. They just have a pool of themes. Now the problem is like studio press is a one-time fee to buy that and you get all these themes, but that's only because they are backed by so many other businesses and copy blogger and rainmaker mm-hmm. that are earning money that they can afford to do that. Your general mm-hmm. theme shop cannot afford to just say, we have a one-time fee, get everything we're ever going to create ever again <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and get support for right. it. <laughs> like that's, that would be crushing. But you said something, you said you instituted <laughs> renewals in April. Which means mm-hmm. May would have been your first full month with auto renewals, mm-hmm. same as myself. So I implemented it a year ago. Mm-hmm. May was our first. Month. How has that gone for you? Forgetting the idea that you know you renew at a sixty or seventy percent of the original cost or whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. How would, how did your percentages look as you rolled out of your renewals? I'm kind of curious on this, if you don't mind sharing.
2: Yeah, yeah. I went from um like a thirteen. You know, themes I feel like have a lower renewal rate sure. just because it's newer. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. um. It's a new idea, and I get lots of questions all the time. I'm like, why do you charge annual? But then I just, you know, I give them the fill, and they're like, oh, sweet. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I went from a 13% to a 73%. That's um awesome. Just in that month. yeah, That is awesome. And you, yeah, and May was my highest uh, grossing month, and I didn't even release the theme in May. And usually, in your higher, you know, your new theme months are the, the highest months. Yeah. But, um, so, it, it's good. It's good, and I, I encourage other theme developers out there who are on their own, you know, have their own shop to do something like this, to try to uh, to approach this avenue and see if it works for them and their customer base. But then again, it's it's up to your market. If you're selling themes for $19 a pop, you know, you're probably not going to get many people wanting to renew that because they don't expect it, or A, they don't expect it to last very long, or B, they're not wanting to spend very much money, which is probably the case.
1: Yeah, that's a struggle, right? When you undervalue yourself and you price yourself too low, what you do is you attract customers who are only looking for the bargain, and those people are mm-hmm. not going to pay year after year after year, no matter mm-hmm. how low the cost is, because <laughs> they, they want to pay once and forget it. Where when you charge something like $99, or in our case, as high as four ninety nine, mm-hmm. these people are invested. Like They have proven yeah. that it's no problem to drop that kind of money on an annual basis for a product that they use and love. So that is a big key point of pricing is pricing determines the types of customers you're going to get. Now, yes, you have to have a great product. And for themes, they have to be sharp and well-developed and well-designed, uh, well-structured architecture. You know, They have to be these things. But if you charge too little, you are basically saying, this is the type of customer that I am wanting to support for my business. And that's the thing you have to be careful about. I'm glad you said that about renewals too, because I was interested to hear how renewals would be in the theme space. Now, a little different because you have the club. Mm-hmm. So there is this little idea of that is the mindset of a club, right, that you're paying on, an, on a regular basis. But I was kind of interested. So we just did our renewals and I'm still crunching the numbers, but I, I have this insane renewal rate. Our renewal rate was fluctuating between 25 and 30% uh, before we did automatic renewals. And when I did the math for May, our renewal rate was over 95%. Wow. <laughs> now, so this is just for business owners. So if you're listening to this and you're a Ninja Forms customer and you, you're like, oh, I can't believe you did this. I hate you. Just to understand it from, to hear this from a business perspective. Now, for auto renewals, do you have emails set up telling them that their renewal is about to take place? I do, yeah. yeah. Okay. How, wow. how many of those do you send?
2: I've got one two weeks and one one week, and that's it. All
1: right, so, yeah. so two weeks ahead of time, you say, hey, your subscription's about to renew. If you don't want to renew, you might want to cancel now or update your mm-hmm. credit card or whatever the case may be, right? And then a week late before you do it again, you send them another notice. So here's what happened. We had it set up to send 30 days before and then 24 hours before. That was our plan. The problem was I don't know what's wrong. We still haven't figured All out what's right. wrong. Those emails aren't going out. Oh. so nobody's being notified of their renewals, but nobody's complaining. <laughs> so at, from a business perspective, so here's the thing from a business perspective, right? I guarantee most people listening and to yourself, do you have a subscription to Netflix or Hulu mm-hmm. or yep. any of those services, right? Do they send you a monthly renewal notice saying, hey, we're going to take more money out of your account? <laughs> no, they don't. And in fact, when their payment fails, then they send you emails. Mm. Where's our money? You're supposed to renew, (laughs) update your credit card, right? They don't send it to you. And so I started to think about it. And I'm like, if it ain't broke, maybe I don't send those emails out because you get a few people who are like, you really should send an email out. Mm -hmm. We're like, we apologize. We'll refund it for you. Mm -hmm. We don't have a problem with that. Because it's an auto renewal and people do forget, Mm -hmm. we are very liberal about refunding those subscription amounts. And we offer a deep discount too. We discount 50% of the original cost. So it's a huge discount as it is. So you know, if somebody comes in and bought a $39 plugin, I don't have any problem whatsoever refunding their (laughs) $19.50. Sure. Here you go. Like no big deal. But nobody's Complaining and we're over 95% renewal rate from a business perspective. So, in the spirit of mastermind.fm, I'm not motivated to fix that. (laughs) Does that make sense? Like,
2: it does. Yeah.
1: I'm like, if nobody's complaining and our renewal rates are so high, I'm inclined to leave it because, like you, May was our best month. April before it was our best month ever, but May was our best month and it was our best month by 29% growth. Wow. So, And that wasn't just renewals, you know, we grew new sales as well, but the renewals certainly did not hurt. And so I'm like, at this point, I'm like, I'm gonna leave this alone, leave well (laughs) enough alone. I'm afraid if I turn those on immediately, like our renewals drop another 20, 30%, and I'm like, yeah, I just, just leave it alone. So if you're listening and you have a product proven now, right, whether it's a theme, and again, depending on the cost of your price and the services that you offer, or a product, do not not turn on automatic mm-hmm. renews turn your products into subscriptions as fast as you can run do not walk no. and get that <laughs> set up because the day you set it up you're going to have to wait an entire year to see the benefit of it but when you see it it is can be mind blowing like it's mm-hmm. it's pretty dramatic as you said right it's it's dramatic to jump even just a jump from 13% Up to 60, 70% is insane. Like, Mm -hmm. think about this. That's money on the table that you lost for years. You could have been making that money for years. (laughs) So I highly encourage people. And and I think it's funny because in the WordPress space, we kind of, we cheer this on and we like freak out about subscriptions. And this is old news. Like in any other space, this is really old news. But for Mm -hmm. us, it's like the most exciting thing in the world. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I'm sorry. I guess I went on a tangent there. The (laughs) rules are... This this month has been so crazy. I feel like I have to talk about it all the time. And because it blew all my forecasting. Like I had the whole year forecasted out, exactly what I expected sales to be. And now my entire forecast is a piece of crap. Like it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Can't trust any of my numbers now because it's just it's just it's all crazy anyway. So you've got this thing. You just released a new theme. So let's talk a little bit about that. We didn't really touch on that. You just released a new theme. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about this new one. Uh,
2: this new one—it's uh, my first uh, headstrong entry into uh, WooCommerce. I, I've done a few WooCommerce themes, but nothing at the level of integration that I did with this new one. Um, see, like my goal this year is to really you know, define my market and kind of narrow it down a little bit um, and, and attack it. So with this theme, it's um, I'm trying out WooCommerce and how it works and how much support level, like how much because you know WooCommerce themes are much more uh, maintenance-heavy. Their updates, especially with 3.0 that, and that just came out, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: but uh, uh, 3.0 is yeah. all
1: over the world. Cause bad taste in people's mouth, apparently. Uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> nightly, yeah, nightly updates for a week or so. <laughs> but uh,
1: yeah,
2: but yeah, it, it was fun, and you know, with this new theme, I, I really lean heavily on the customizer in a different way that I have previously. I've been using the customizer since you know, since day one. As my options type panel, Uh, but this one I I put a few extra things I don't normally do, like you know, like more colors and more more things that I normally wouldn't do. But it's worked out, and and a lot of people are really liking it. I'm getting a lot of good feedback, and I'm thinking of doing the the same customizer stuff and live events and all that cool like crazy JavaScript side of the customizer into the theme. I just think it's neat, you know, like the new 2017 just put the things in where. um, You know, you can hit add a menu or add a page, and then it opens up the side, customizer sidebar area, Uh, just things like that, which were just fun to do and fun to experiment with. I I spent probably too much time working on it, Um, (laughs) 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 but I learned, and I feel like I'm, you know, twice the developer I was a year ago.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What are the challenges of building something with, because WooCommerce is a massive plugin Mm -hmm. with a massive add-on ecosystem what is the process for be creating a theme that is deeply integrated with something like WooCommerce?
2: A lot of it is, you know, kind of like a shotgun method. I research and see what are people using? What are the common compatibilities with all these other WooCommerce themes? Like what is determining factor and what makes a certain theme sell? Yeah. You know, and if it's a uh, lightbox, well, one of the lightboxes are part of uh, WooCommerce, so it's not a thing. But, um, you know, if it's different payment gateways and uh, different zooming things, or, you know, there's a couple of things that, you can kind of pinpoint and then you go in and you're like, okay, if I add these things, then I'll kind of be at the same level as those. Now let's make the design twice competitive. Let's make it amazing. Let's make this gorgeous. And let's add these compatibilities into it. And then when you launch it, I'm mean, going to get daily requests, like feature requests and what people ask for and what they want. And, and yes, like we talked about, about before the show, like there's sometimes that one or 2% that want want the thing to do, you know, something completely different. And that's completely out of scope from what I was intending for. And that's kind of where in this new theme, Ava, where I kind of fell a little short is narrowing down the type of e-commerce thing it is. It kind of falls in like the fashion type industry area, you know, but there's components that don't fall into that. Um, so I think in the future, I will even, I would probably go even smaller market-wise and target and really nail that down. But yeah, so it's just, you know, putting what I believe would be great in e e-commerce shop and what I see from all these sites, all these other things, all the popular stuff that's out there right now, and then kind of drill down, figure out what needs to be in there. And then when, when customers ask for valid feature requests that I think would be a great, good idea that I didn't think about, I'm like, sure, let's add that in there. And then that makes a very loyal customer too on top of that. yeah, And that's what you really need in today's market. You need those loyal customers who look at your stuff before anyone else's, mm-hmm. no matter what you have. That's what you need.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. That's awesome. You know, you touched on some stuff. Yeah, obviously you didn't use these terms, but this is something we've been talking about. We actually covered this on another podcast that I do, Adventures in Business Inc., and in the process of talking through products and development and focus, we've started taking on, and this isn't a new idea necessarily, but this is something we've just started to do. I'm a big proponent of mission statements. This idea of, mm-hmm. I think companies need mission statements. I think people need mission statements that, that to kind of guide them, that say, yeah. this is why I exist. This is why I'm alive. And what I my goal is to accomplish this. This is my mission in life, if you will. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that we tend to not do at times is I think products need mission statements. I mean, we've been bad about this with Ninja Forms. I think we've done what lots of plugins have done. And I think themes tend to, this is the all-purpose theme dilemma, right? Is we try to be the best at everything. Mm. And we know this, right? When everything is emphasized, nothing is emphasized. When everything is bold, nothing is bold. When everything is underlined, nothing is underlined. Mm -hmm. And, (laughs) And here's the truth about products that I think people need to get in their head. When you try to be the best at everything, you actually end up being the best at nothing. You don't end up being the best at any of those things because you're Mm -hmm. too spread thin and you're too stretched trying to meet the needs in too many areas. And we have to get better about, and this is how quality products get created. This is how the software that you love and use on a daily basis has narrowed its focus and said, I am this and I am only this. And if you're trying to do anything else, it might be possible, Mm -hmm. but it is not my goal. It is not our vision. It is not our mission. And I see in the single purpose and in the niche space of themes, I see that being a driving force. We're not calling it mission statement, but I think that's what's happening, right? Would you say that's accurate? Because it sounds a lot of what you're saying sounds like there is this deep focus of this is the theme I am trying to be. This is the problem I'm trying to solve. Mm. This is why I exist.
2: Yeah, I think that's totally on point right there. And I like how you put it into like a mission statement for. I've never really thought of it that way. But you're totally right. Like. If you're going for the multi-purpose market, it's you can't. You know, it's going to be very difficult to set mission statement. I mean, I don't know what do you say. Like, I going to be, be the one thing everyone goes to for everything. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh,
1: <laughs> I think there are a lot of yeah. themes that I think that is their mission That's statement. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh,
2: you know, like looking at something and attacking a theme like a, like you would any other problem or business decision it is definitely the way to go. It's like, what are you trying to do? Why are you trying to do it? And how are you going to be the best? And nailing those three will get you something hopefully that other people like.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So you got this business. You've got this new theme that's launched. What's next? What do you see yourself doing? What is your goal for say the next five years? What do you hope to accomplish? And maybe that's too hard to see when you have a two small children. And you're like, I can't, see, <laughs> I can't see past this evening.
2: <laughs> uh huh. I know. Five years. Uh, wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, one week would be to the, the get some sleep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that You're going you're gonna to have that one on your list for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right?
2: <laughs> you know, I like what I'm doing, you know, this club thing, and it's working out. It's getting quite a few subscribers this last couple of weeks. It's only been two weeks, yeah, two weeks since I launched it, and it's been doing really great. And I think I'm all about being a real, getting real feedback and doing, you know, Real action, like actionable stuff, for that feedback. Um, So I'm contacting the people that are club members. I'm like, what do you want? Like, basically, I want to know how to keep them a member of my club, because in that sense, in five years, I might have hope, you know, a lot more subscribers. Hopefully, and maintain these same subscribers that I have now. And you know, these are people that are pretty loyal already. Just from history, like, you know, on their purchase history, they've purchased, you know, 10 themes already and I only have 20. I'm like, okay, you've already had them all. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, so uh, I think, you know, growing that club membership idea and, uh, and putting even now that I have this club thing and, uh, you know, I'm raising the cost of my themes and the, and the club is only a few dollars more. So it's it's almost, uh, I'm pushing people to the club because I want to put more focused themes out there. Like I want to do boutique WooCommerce themes that are for like maybe like one product shops or like five product shops, something that's not quite out there yet that's not, And then if there's, it's definitely overkill. You know, I, I want where someone can go online, like, hey, I want this theme and then they install it and they're like, let me add my images. Everything's done. Great good to go. And to do that, when you niche down that far, it's hard to sell singular themes in a sense. So by pushing them to the club and on the annual membership thing, I can do projects like this, like these ideas that I have and smaller niche things. And then I'm getting more value from the club side. So then it kind of pushes each other. And then every theme launch I do, I'm essentially promoting the club, which is worth more than a theme sale. So
1: That's awesome because I I love that because what it does is it gives you one place to push. It's one thing to market, one thing Mm -hmm. to sell for the most part, Mm -hmm. but you get to build a variety of things and be creative and stretch yourself and Mm -hmm. think outside uh, your normal space. And certainly you're going to have people in your theme shop that's going to be able to use multiple of these different things that you release. And they don't need to use them all. Mm-hmm. They just, as long as there's a few that they can connect to and they're like, these are the types of sites I build every mm-hmm. single day. And this is why I come to you. It's awesome. I think it's a great channel to kind of go through and find, it, kind of figure out how do you build that theme and then come up with these like really kind of cool single Really focused, narrow focus themes. Yeah. Uh, I think it'll be fun. I'm curious to see how things go. I just, I'll tell you, I went through your site, just looked at your front page of the few themes that you have on your homepage uh, over at Theme Beans, and I love them. Oh, like, I, I think the design is <laughs> really sharp. Super, you know, I'm a fan of, of minimalism, although my site isn't super minimalist. Uh, none of my sites are super minimalist at this point, but that's <laughs> uh, sadly on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do actually love, love the design. I am drawn to good designers. So you do great work. Another friend of mine, Andy Wilkerson, I love Mm -hmm. the designs that he puts out. He does really, really sharp work. And so great job in what you're doing. Really excited to see how Ava goes and how renewing subscriptions work for you in the theme space. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll definitely have to have you back on. So for those of you who are listening, check out Theme Beans. Check out Ava. It's your new theme. Is that how you you pronounce that, Ava? Mm -hmm. Uh, Check it out. Really, really slick, really nice themes. We'll link to them, obviously, all in the show notes and check them out. Any closing remarks, anything you want to say to the aspiring entrepreneurs or theme designers out there trying to get their start?
2: Uh, yeah, you know, like you know, I was saying earlier, competition is hard. You know, it's the market is pretty saturated. I think, you know, it's all about two big things. It's You know, you've, you've got to be real. You've got to be a person. You've got to be uh, personable. Uh, with your customers, uh, there's so many developers right now, you know, on the different marketplaces who are one one-time producers and they're not committed. But if you're real, you know, and you have a voice and you connect with your customers, that is how you start building these loyal people who will follow you and who will jump on your club or who will purchase your next product or at least share your next product. So just be real. That's the big thing.
1: Yeah, I love it. I think if you can put a real person and a kind heart behind a product, you will gain fans quickly and do yep. good work. just work hard and do what you're doing and obviously rich you're doing it. So I would say this check out he's got a, his personal website we'll also put in the blog. but how else can people get a hold of you Rich if they want to reach out?
2: yeah, i'm I'm on Twitter a lot uh, at Richard underscore Tabor. I'm on Facebook, but don't get on there too much. But Twitter is my big, my big thing
1: <laughs> all right. Yeah. So reach out to Rich on Twitter. Uh, check out theme Beans. Also, you can check out his uh, personal website. What's that URL? Uh, richtaber.com richtaber.com so check it out it's got some good blog posts you were just recently at Pressnomics as was I mm-hmm. uh, and you have some good takeaways from some of the sessions while you were there so go ahead and check out the website and we will hopefully have you on again soon Rich thank you so much for being on the show thanks Dave. appreciate it thank you so much for listening to another episode of mastermind.fm If you liked what you heard in today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your feedback encourages us to keep producing the kind of content that you have come to rely on for your own entrepreneurial journey. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show, send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with us on Twitter at mastermind.fm. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a fantastic week.